COVID-19 patients need your help. If you fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T dot Help save lives and schedule your appointment at Vitalant.org. You could help save lives. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. This is an ode to Napa Cabbage. Of all the cabbages on all the cabbage farms, only you have the crisp crunch worthy of our Bibigo Korean dumplings. No other cabbage would do, because no other cabbage tastes like you. We love you, Napa Cabbage. Just don't tell Green Onion. Napa Cabbage, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every hearty, flavorful Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. On episode 16, we continue our discussion of augmented reality, virtual reality, and associated technologies. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. We had such fun with our chat with Brian Lucid last time, we made it into a two-parter. We'll get to that in a moment. Wait, next couple of weeks, we've got the busiest recording schedule ever for the pod. I've got chats about why CMOs should listen to creative, the next generation of marketers, MarTech, the psychology of marketing and conversions, data in marketing, and the role of marketers in funding. Hopefully, I'll keep the schedule straight and we'll roll these episodes out over the next month or so. Right, on to today's episode. We had a lesson in AR, VR, and such last week from Professor Brian Lucid, and today we get to the so what. What does this mean for designers, for marketers, for UX and UI? No one has all the answers, but Brian gets pretty darn close. Let's get to it. Well, you know, all this technology is great. It's really interesting, and, and who knows where it's going to go. It's just exciting to contemplate. But technology is one thing. Good design is another. And I think of you as a great designer. So how do you bridge the gap between all this technology and good design? <laughs> I think there's there's multiple facets to that. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's obviously a lot to unpack there. I bet. <laughs> but when we talk about good design, the reason why I'm interested in this space is because we really don't even fully understand what good design is in this space yet. But we do understand that it's going to be very, very different and more powerful than it's ever been. It's because it's different metaphors, right, that we're dealing with. Yes, but I think it's even more than that. And I think that this is a really key thing to understand, particularly for people who, who are passionate about marketing. What we've come to understand is that when people experience virtual and mixed reality, while they're fully aware that the things that they are seeing are not real, the experiences that they have 
in those environments are absolutely real. In 2017, Google News Lab did a fantastic ethnographic study. And what they've really discovered is that when people describe their memories of things that they did in virtual and mixed reality, they describe it as a real experience. It's not something that they've watched. It's not like something they watched on television. It's something that they've lived. And that's a fundamental difference. That's a fundamental difference. Because now we have a tool which can actually share experiences because they describe it as if it's something that they've experienced mm. not that they've watched that they've read or that they've you know dreamed about but it actually happened to them mm. and so this has incredible implications for a wide range of things from how we deliver the news to you know how we deliver marketing messages because they are they are internalized in a way that i don't believe we've ever had a medium that shares information in this way. Yeah, interesting. They create incredibly emotional experiences. People who experience these things, they're able to participate in it. They're able to uh, explore different emotional states. And increasingly, as we're starting to think about how, uh, how to create narratives in this space, uh, it allows us to step out of our body and become somebody else or something else. Mm. And so that gives us incredibly new points of view, but we can never forget how powerful these experiences are. And that's why it's been such a challenge often to design in them. There's a lot more emotional weight to these. You know, we've all seen videos on the internet of people falling over or freaking mm -hmm. out in virtual reality. Um, right. We don't have a lot of media that make people do that. So moving forward, I think we're, we have to be very careful and think about the kinds of experiences that we're creating. But it's going to be an incredibly powerful and immersive medium. In many ways, it already is. Right. Now, from a design standpoint, in terms of creating those things, of course, there's a variety of different things that we have to hit. There's a variety of sort of narrative structures that we have to think about. And then, of course, there's the user interface sort of elements. And interestingly, I'm quite enjoying watching the development of this. The place where we need to go to learn about how to develop interfaces for virtual reality and mixed reality is game design. And from a traditional UI standpoint, from someone who is a design educator and you know teaches design history, the video game space has not been a place where we often send our students. But if you want to really explore how do we start to blend fantasy with reality, how do we start to create a place that has both the physicality of the real world and magical transformation, we actually have to look at games and the wide variety of ways in which users are informed of the information they need to know as they do some sort of a task. Mm. And so from a design standpoint, we're now blending many of the techniques that game design has used with more traditional design elements to create these virtual experiences. That's fascinating. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. So when you're working with a, a client or teaching students about UX or design, thinking about AR and VR and the discussion we've just had and design and all that, are there, out of that wellspring, are there some points that you try to make sure everyone understands? I think there's some core properties. And, you know, a good UI, a good UX 
is really about consistency of experience. And it's about finding metaphors that users can intuitively grasp and simply fold into their work. So I'm not one, uh, well, you know, it's not that I have a problem with standards or the way things are done, but I believe that in every project, I try to walk into every project that I work on with a really open mind. Because in reality, I need to be driven by the needs of the users that I'm designing for. Oh, sure. Yeah. So there's often a really deep process of sort of research and understanding. And I became a designer, and particularly a UX designer, because I actually love to learn. And I frequently like being in a place where I don't know the answers to things yet. So I have to go out and, and learn. And it keeps me constantly, you know, having to, to gather new information. So it's very much about sort of trying to identify what the tasks are, what the needs of those users are, and then trying to develop uh, from a, if we take a step back and, and, and jump into sort of a product strategy thing, trying to sort of develop what the proper sort of user interface narrative will be that will be natural and intuitive and easy to grasp. And then once we have that as a foundation, it's about building upon that and making sure that it's absolutely consistent. Mm. If you have used a Microsoft HoloLens, one of the things that I find so fascinating about it outside of the experience is how much it really reveals to us the different levels of different computing paradigms. So there are moments in the HoloLens in which you realize that the designers are still thinking in a mouse and keyboard mentality right. where they, they, they try to get you to type things on a virtual keyboard floating in space. And you realize all of a sudden, wait a minute, like I'm actually stuck in a paradigm that doesn't make sense for this particular type of computing. Yeah. And so that, that's that um, it's the moment that pulls you out of the narrative. It's the moment that sort of says, oh, no, that doesn't that doesn't make any sense. It's like using reins to steer a car or something. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And so. You know, it's finding that platform and then making sure that it's absolutely consistent. And as we are able to continue to sort of build on that consistency, then we'll have a real platform upon which to build uh, sort of new user experiences. But I have to say, you know, we don't fully understand what these tools will become. And that, you know, that so that makes it very challenging to really start to understand this as a as a new computing platform, as a new medium. Mm. I'm of the mindset that, you know, this idea of mixed reality sort of folds into some of the bigger narratives around things like artificial intelligence, in which they're really just tools to augment our experiences. Right. So, you know, when we talk about artificial intelligence as, you know, things to think with things to make us better, uh, I see mixed reality in very much the same column. Um, And so it's not about a a device, but it's about simply a level of technology that will help us in our day-to-day and will hopefully be transparent and will simply just make us better. It will simply just make the tasks that we do every day easier and more natural. But of course, there's always going to be a negotiation between the technology and the, and the work that we're doing. Sure. Well, this is, this is fascinating. I could talk for hours about this. And Brian, it's always great to chat with you. And I appreciate you being a guest here on Confessions of a Marketer. Oh, I'm happy to do it. Thank you very much. I could really chat with Brian for hours on this subject. I hope it illuminated some of the subject matter for you. I know I learned a lot. Lots to come on Confessions of a Marketer, Why CMOs Should Listen to Creative, The Next Generation of Marketers, MarTech, The Psychology of Marketing and Conversions, Data in Marketing, and The Role of Marketers in Funding. 
still working out the precise schedule of when we'll go live with these, but we should have a new episode next week. This episode of Confessions of a Marketer was written, produced, and edited by yours truly. T. Jordan of A-Class Productions wrote the theme music. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Reed Edwards Global Inc., and this episode is copyright 2018. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time. You stay home for the greater good. Secondhand smoke doesn't. It drifts through cracks in walls, air vents, and sink drains, spreading toxic chemicals that can damage lungs. Secondhand vape also puts your lungs at risk, even with the fruity smells. Protect yourself and the people around you from these secondhand dangers. Learn how at tobaccofreeca.com.